Hello Church family, this is the Sunday message for November 14th. We live in a throwaway culture. We make and produce things in order to toss them in the garbage. I do this. When I'm in a hurry, I buy paper plates and plastic cups, knowing I'll throw them away very soon. And overall, this shapes the way we view things. We get what we need out of something, and then we toss it. I've had this dilemma so many times to where it's often cheaper to buy something new than to replace an old item that's not working. Whether it's a toaster or a coffee maker, an electric shaver, if it quits working, I just toss it. It's, it's too much time, energy, and money to fix it. I do this with push lawnmowers. I'm not necessarily proud of what I'm about to tell you. I'll buy a push lawnmower for about 200 bucks. I'll use it for three to five years. I don't change the oil. I don't do any maintenance. I just run it into the ground. <laughs> And then when it stops working, I just toss it out. Just this summer, a wheel just sheared off my mower. They don't make them like they used to, right? But stubbornly, I mowed the rest of the summer with a three-wheeled lawnmower before driving it to the dump this past Saturday. And that's what we do with most things, right? We just throw it away when it gets old. And sometimes that's wise, but many times it's unwise. But that's what we do. But this morning, let's proclaim this. People are different. We don't use people and then throw them away. We don't run ourselves or others into the ground and then roll over in a garbage heap. We are all created in the image of God. And therefore, God has a greater purpose in mind for us. Last week, we talked about the 87-year history of our congregation, and we charted the many cycles of birth, death, and rebirth, For a variety of reasons. We're finding ourselves coming off a type of death and going into a new birth. Many of you are tired and you find yourselves battling grief, anger, resentment, and doubt. In short, you feel like my three-wheeled lawnmower. (laughs) But take heart, we're not going to drive you out to the dump and throw you away. For you are created in the image of God. You have worth and value that no one can ever take away from you. God wants to refresh you and to renew you. God wants to heal and then work through you to heal others. That's God's plan for you. Not to be thrown away, but to be renewed. With that in mind, let's read from John chapter 15, the first 17 verses. John 15, 1 through 17. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. 
I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is God's word. So starting in December, we're going to start a Sunday morning class entitled Rooted, Gifted, and Called. Based on this scripture reading and some others, Jesus uses a clear agricultural metaphor to show the nature of discipleship. We must be rooted to God. We must be connected to Jesus. And as we remain in God, God gives us life. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. And what is this fruit? It is the good works of loving God and loving each other. Each of us are different. So that fruit may look a little different in each one of us. As we participate with the Spirit, we must ask important questions like, what am I good at or what am I called to do? And this will shape what the fruit looks like for each of us. So let me briefly sketch it out this morning. First, we must be rooted. Go back to verses 4 and 5 where Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what does it look like to remain in the vine? Think of a plant. When a plant has solid roots, the roots get nutrients from the soil and pass those up to the rest of the plant. We need sustenance and nourishment. If we're cut off, we don't get the nourishment. Friends, the pandemic radically changed our patterns of getting nourishment. For many of you, you spent decades forming the habit of getting spiritual sustenance and nourishment on Sundays. Come together as a church. We sing, we pray, we read the Bible, we hear a sermon, we drink coffee, we spend time together, we laugh, we cry, we shake hands, we hug. And then all that was gone. Our normal forms of sustenance were severed. I mean, of course, we could still read our Bibles, pray at home. We did Zooms and podcasts and distance outdoor mass services. Many of us took more walks in nature than ever before, and much good did come from that. Still, it was topsy-turvy, like a big snow globe shake on our spiritual sustenance. So now, as we've been returning, as we confront all the fatigue, grief, anger, doubt, i got to ask this question. What are you eating? Where are you getting your spiritual sustenance? There's likely never been a time in any of our lives when we were this responsible for our spiritual nourishment. So what have you been eating? Many of us are walking around so hungry we don't even recognize that's what it is. We are spiritually hungry. And you can't satisfy your spiritual hunger on Twitter or Netflix or video games or sports or physical food or drink or sex or money. You can only satisfy your spiritual hunger by the Holy Spirit. So let me address two specific things within this idea that I think some of you are facing. 
<clears throat> First, what do you do when Sundays at Ackland feel like work? What do you do when you finish a Sunday more drained than when you began? I've gotten this question from some of you. It's real. It happened before the pandemic, but it's happened even more now as we've sought to adapt, adjust, and bring back a semi-normal church life. I mean, you're doing all kinds of prep work to get ready for Sunday, lesson prep, class prep, making the communion bread, or getting the disposable stuff ready, bulletins, grab the mask, make the coffee, bring the donuts. Did we get hand soap for the bathrooms? Um, what's the status of the sidewalk, the hedge, following up on hurting people? I think I signed up for a food list, but I can't remember. So-and-so's in the hospital. I meant to text them. Did I text them? And then remembering all the stuff you got to bring. And then you spend hours giving to others. And there are times where you feel hungrier than when the day began. And family, I repent that I've never addressed this before because I've thought about it all my adult life. I've received wisdom from countless mentors over the, over the years on this because as a minister, I've often had a lot of experience with Sundays feeling like work because, I mean, Sundays is my work in many ways. But before giving an answer, let me say this. I do think we need to share loads better so this weight falls more evenly. And honestly, we may need to back off on some of what we're doing because I don't think Sunday's feeling like work is a sustainable path for any of you. It is for me because since I don't have a full-time job, I'm able to weave a full-time job elsewhere. You know, I'm able to weave forms of spiritual food and Sabbath other times of the week, but that's probably not the case for you. And that, that's fair, right? That's real life. Sunday is supposed to be the day to rejuvenate. So hear me say this. If every Sunday feels like work, that's not a sustainable path that we need to make some adjustments. Okay, so what do you do about it when Sunday does feel like work? What have my mentors taught me? If Sunday doesn't feed you, eat sometime else. If your church doesn't feed you, eat somewhere else. What do I do? I listen to two to four sermons a week through podcasts and online. Why? Because I preach to you guys, but I need someone preaching to me. I spend time in nature. I take walks. I go for runs. I regularly read through books of the Bible that have nothing to do with a specific sermon or lesson prep. I just kind of prayerfully thumb through the Bible. I regulate my news, entertainment, and social media intake so that I'm informed and culturally aware without being totally shaped by the world. And boy, that is something I'm always pruning. I spend time with people that need encouragement, but I balance that with people that encourage me. And I get my guitar out at least one night a week, sing praise and worship songs to God with my kids. I read a lot of books. I participate in fasting and silence, although I admit those practices I'm still growing into. So that's kind of what it looks like for me. And if you're giving a lot on Sundays, you may need to ask some serious questions about what spiritual sustenance looks like the rest of the week for you. Related to this, let me say, let me say something else second kind of under this category. For some of you, the Ackland worship style in our classes may not be a good fit for your spiritual personality and disposition. My sermon style may not really do it for you. And I want you to know I'm always up for conversation about my growth as a preacher, but I also want to say this. If you're not a big fan of my preaching, it doesn't hurt my feelings. You may not be a big fan of our acapella hymn style. Our way of classes may not connect with you. And maybe you came to Ackland for the people, right? Not our specific style or practices. Maybe it connects 
with the rest of your family. So you come to Ackland out of service for them. But if you are going to choose a church, you might not choose this church, but your spouse and kids really like it. Maybe it once connected to you, but it doesn't anymore. And I want you to hear this. It's okay. It doesn't offend us. And, and we are always up for a healthy conversation on adapting, right? I think there's always, at least I know in my preaching, there's always room for improvement. But at the same time, we likely can't connect with every personality and preference. It's okay. We can say it out loud. We can understand one another. But here's what you need to consider. If Ackland doesn't feed you spiritually on Sundays, you still got to eat. See, previous point, you have to eat sometime. You have to eat somewhere. So figure out how you can eat and get your spiritual sustenance. Because I look out at you, and as I look in the mirror, this is what I see. I say this respectfully, not to criticize, but I see a lot of spiritually hungry people. So in this class coming up, we're going to talk about burnout. We're going to talk about fatigue. We're going to talk about spiritual personalities and spiritual practices and how we can eat better, healthier, and more regular. That's what it means to be rooted and to remain in God. And after we are firmly rooted, we can then begin to grow and produce fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We have to be rooted for all fruit to come. And what is that fruit? That fruit is love in action. Love for God and love for others. We are all image bearers of God, and yet we are all uniquely and wonderfully made. So my love in action may look a little different from your love in action, even as Christ is the same in both of us. We all have different gifts. Scripture talks about this. Gifts mentioned in the Bible include things like healing, teaching, administration, mercy, encouragement, giving, serving. And other gifts not specifically mentioned in the Bible, but definitely consistent with the Bible's theme are gifts like reconciliation, organization, following through and getting details done, being a person of vision, problem solving, solving, laughter, and the gift of showing up. And let me elaborate on that gift of showing up because many of you don't see it as a gift, but it truly is. I can tell you, consistent presence is a gift. Some of us are more erratic and distracted. Those who can maintain consistent focus, consistent presence at Ackland, we thank you. It's a gift. It's a gift that we need. So in this class and in the coming months, we want to spend some time processing what God has gifted you to do. So we've made some adjustments here at Ackland. Women have long done so much heavy lifting at Ackland, so much work, but we have added the opportunity to speak and worship, teach classes, and serve as a deacon as possibilities for baptized female disciples. So you, quote, can, end quote, do a lot more now. However, what would it look like for us to think through giftedness as a way of addressing what you, quote, should, end quote, do? And the same goes for me. The same goes for the men. Many of us guys have done stuff in church because of expectations. What would it look like to do things not because we can, but because we should, because we're gifted? So I can tell you that ministering out of a spiritual flow of giftedness brings a much different fruit than ministering out of religious obligation or even religious guilt. Third, once we figure out our giftedness, we can lean into our calling. Our calling is the context where we use our giftedness. It's the fleshed out situation where God calls rooted and gifted people to serve. It may be here at Ackland, maybe out in the community, maybe a little bit of both. As Frederick Buechner once said, it's the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. 
it's where it's where you come alive, where you come alive in Jesus. As Howard Thurman once said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. And go do that because that's what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's the image we have in John 15 is people that are rooted, connected to Jesus. And they, they're alive because of the connection. They have sustenance. They're fully alive and they bear fruit. In this season of new birth at Ackland, I think some of you are going to come alive in ways like never before. I think God is going to root you in ways that bring stability and joy you never thought imaginable. I think God is going to show you gifts you never knew you had. I think God is going to lay a calling on your heart so beautiful and so prophetic and so incredible that you're going to stand up one day and tell us, and we're all going to say, the Lord is in this place. This is holy ground. So family, may we hear the words of Jesus where he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other.